Welcome to episode 17, Podcasts. Here we are, 17. And today we are discussing burnout. Uh, this topic came about after Stephen and I were chatting about fatigue and all of the different types of fatigue that you hear about nowadays. Uh, it seems that we're all dealing with new situations and, that, yeah, we seem to be having a new and maybe tougher time on some of us than, than we expected. I know this is true for me personally. So this is one of the reasons it came about as a topic. It's also a case so that we feel fatigued or, or super stressed or tired regularly, not just during a pandemic, all these crazy times that we have now. I mean, anything from either new jobs or new family situations, new relationships, new expectations that we've set on ourselves or others have put on us. There's periods of crazy excitement or crazy boredom. All of this can lead to a sense of fatigue. We just don't name them all the time. In this conversation, Stephen shares a definition for burnout. Basically, prolonged exposure to excess stress. And then breaks this down to three different components. Physical, emotional, and psychological. And then we can see which one of these three components are stressed and then how to fix it. So there's an understanding that from time to time we all get stressed and that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, if you think about it, sometimes stress can be a really good thing. But we do need to have enough self-awareness to understand when it's moving from exceptional and occasional stress to prolonged and habitual stress and it becomes a regular part of our life and that is when we're heading towards burnout there's discussions on how to approach each of these three different legs of the stool and which one you should fix first the physical or the emotional or the psychological any comments or thoughts get in touch with us at the usual email address podcast at coachpro.online Thanks for the support and the shares and the download so far. It is appreciated. I'll be back at the end with some admin and some extra thoughts on this topic. Now, here comes the cheesy music. Here we go. Are we ready, Edinburgh? Can you hear me? Loud and clear. <laughs> right so we're in we're in strange times but one of the things i do know is we're always in strange times so everything is situational but i do think one of the words we hear a lot about at the moment is things like zoom fatigue work from home fatigue probably family fatigue <laughs> lack of weekend fatigue not holiday fatigue covid fatigue but i've always found that there is some type of fatigue going on. And it is usually referred to as burnout at work, professional burnout. But this whole chat about different types of fatigue, isn't this just another way of saying burnout? Because there's always, there's always a lot of common terminology or vocab confusion sometimes. So how should we think about burnout and fatigue, maybe, if we can link the two. And what are these definitely not? Well, well, burnout is very closely linked to fatigue. 
It will also be in conversations about stress and overwhelming, exhaustion, lethargy. All these types of things are all kind of related to that. Burnout is defined by a state of emotional, physical and mental exhaustion that's caused by excessive and prolonged stress. So burnout isn't something that happens overnight. Burnout and fatigue are things that build up over time. Yep. So there's there's a difference between feeling and having. Yes. And so initially we will feel, but if we don't recognise and do something about it, you can then risk having. It becomes established. Yep. Okay. This is a constant overstressed then. So I'm not just stressed for a short period of time. I'm stressed for so long that it actually feels like it's part of my regular state. It's excessive and prolonged. So that can be physical stresses in terms of health, your lifestyle, habits, routines, exercise or not, your sleep patterns, um, the physical environment that you're in uh, yes. can be stressful. And if you're there for a long time, it becomes prolonged. You can have these excessive and prolonged stresses in terms of your mental environment. Um, so, you know, that's in your moods, your um, approach to things, your frame of mind, your positivity or not, where you are psychologically, and also then emotionally. So, your, your moods, how you're feeling about things, your, your level of confidence and self-confidence, you know, and all of these things. And if it's excessive and prolonged, then you develop something rather than just feel it. That makes sense. I mean, that constant pressure, it would make sense that if something hits you hard, you can sometimes bounce back. And we talked about resilience and bounce back ability, but if something's always there, you can imagine that would weigh you down. Okay. Excessive and prolonged stress, physically, emotionally, or psychologically. Get you. How do I know if what I am feeling, so what I'm thinking about the, you know, when you're boiling a frog, you know, if you drop a frog into the boiling water, it'll jump straight out. But if you drop it in and you slowly heat it up, it will stay there. It feels that prolonged, sometimes you won't know that you're in this state then, you know, I can imagine that once in a while, something, you know, big stressor at work, you've got a big project, it's going to finish, it's got a beginning, a middle and an end. There's that sense of relief afterwards. And sometimes you do get physical symptoms when that is finally done. But I'm assuming that's not so dangerous because you will rest up. But that prolonged excessive, how do you know when you're, when you're that frog in the, boi- in, in the boiling water? Well, well, there are three types of, of this burnout and fatigue. There is the transient level of it, which is mainly affected by sleep patterns. And that can actually start to kick in with one, after one or two days, just because sleep restrictions, um, or just not sleeping well within a couple of days, you'll start to feel a difference physically, emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. You know, you'll feel tired or weary. You know, your concentration levels won't necessarily be there. And emotionally, you're kind of a little bit irritable, not as patient, uh, or just kind of a little bit withdrawn. You've got the cumulative. So if you hold on to it and it continues to happen and starts to become a repeated cycle of things, um, then you will see changes over days. 
because it's accumulated. And that's when you're starting to go a little bit deeper into that and you're starting to create a routine which is taking you towards fatigue and burnout because okay. you're sort of getting used to it and accepting it. And the third is, is known as Kirkadian. So it's about patterns. So you will have a natural flow of things. And if that is continually disrupted, so people who work on different shifts or jet lag or different time zones, I'm doing stuff in Sydney at the moment. Um, so it's a three o'clock call in the morning um, to get going. That is not in my natural rhythm of things. So I'm disrupting that natural pattern and therefore I will experience some fatigue because of that or some senses of burnout. If I along if I allowed that to be prolonged, that fatigue would turn into burnout. Okay. I think it was is it Ariana Huffington who talks a lot about this physical way? She sort of think the story she says that she didn't realise she was burnt out, I guess, is is the word in, until she smashed her cheekbone falling asleep on a desk or something like this because she was just wow. so tired she, she, that's when she realized that maybe she was pushing this too far but pretty much everything you just said is this will only last for this it will only last for this i only need to do this for a certain amount of time until eventually falling asleep at your desk and it's yeah something crazy like that okay and this is easy to understand from a physical one, or it's an easier one in a way to draw the picture. Because like you said, not having enough sleep for a day or two, I know I'm a bit irritable. Go to bed early, you know, don't watch a film, don't have a glass of wine. Within a day or two, back to my normal sunny self, honestly. But how, do, how does this look emotionally and psychologically then? I mean, that's, that must be a harder one to spot, to recognise. Well, yeah, well, you, and look, early detection is really important yeah. in any things, and that's your level of self-awareness, and that's knowing yourself, and that is the self-awareness also of a stress is when you do something too much, yeah. so you'll know the line yes. that above that is too much for me. Yes. You know, whether it's, you know, one glass of wine is, is enough, but two is too much for you, or other people who yeah. finishing the bottle is... Exactly. is, is I mean, not, not for breakfast. I mean, you know, two glasses. I mean, it depends on the size of the glass as well. But no, I I don't do more than that for breakfast nowadays. And and you will have built up a tolerance, uh, physically, emotionally, and psychologically, a tolerance of what's enough for you, what you can cope with. But stress is when you go up, go beyond that. Yeah. And if you go beyond that excessively and for a prolonged period of time, that's when you'll start to see the physical signs of tiredness, weariness sleepiness you know if you can sleep sitting up um then you're starting to experience fatigue if you stick with that long enough that's that pattern has got you yep. there eventually you're going to burn out uh, and, and if you've got aches and pains and strains physically that's the kind of body's way of telling you you're in excessive areas of stress and if you prolong this, this is going to get worse. No, you're right. Your body does tell you, doesn't it? This neurological, you know, cortisol and all this stuff. I mean, the is it the cortisol tire, they call it? You know, when men get to middle age, Stephen, I mean, I'll tell you now, it will happen to you. Cortisol tire, basically, you know, because it's harder for them to lose weight because of cortisol. And, you know, and you have that little muffin. So the physical things are sometimes a little bit more easy to see because that's also your diet particularly when people are dealing with excessive stress, adrenaline can kick in. 
So your adrenal glands really get to work and get you going and get you through it. But that's supposed to be for a spike, a period of time, then doesn't become prolonged. But if you keep that prolonged, you're going to exhaust those adrenal glands and then you get adrenal fatigue. And if you still continue with that, then you're going to end up in burnout. And then it's a, it's a longer road back from there. But if you go from the physical then into the mental then the psychological, then your indicators are about your level of concentration, your attention span, um, your ability to focus, your, your memory capacity. You know, if you're forgetting things, if you're forgetting calls you're supposed to make, places you're supposed to be, you're becoming, your reaction times to things are a little bit blunt. You know, those kind of things psychologically, you know, how you're looking more at the problem of everything, that may be negative mindset as opposed to being positive. All of those things are, again, an indication that yeah. you're under psychological stress. So there's some sort of self-awareness then about this that you need to understand. So you can, you because everyone's going to be slightly different or they're going to have different trigger points or, you know, different traffic lights. It's too then like this adrenal one. And this is one of the things I was reading or listening to recently. The whole running from a tiger thing or running from a hippo thing, this was a short-term event. And this is basically why we were built, you know, sitting in a three-month pandemic, you know, our adrenaline system wasn't built for this. It's one of the reasons we will get fatigued in, in lockdown. But also in at work, you know, if you needed that adrenaline to keep you going every single day, then this is going to deplete it. There'll be certain things. When I go a bit weird on certain elements of my diet, then I kind of know, hang on, something else is going on somewhere else. And, you know, it's like, you know, where are the crisps going? You know, that would be it. Cheesy puffs. You know, once the cheesy puffs are being hit hard, then I know there's something else going. <laughs> That's like the canary in the mine for me, the cheesy puffs. Yeah. Okay. And if you then go into the emotional, because, you know, if you're doing the physical and, and, men, and psychologically uh, stressed, you know, and you've got all of those, you know, physical things and also the, the psychological things and you're maybe finding yourself a little bit isolated or you're lashing out or withdrawing from things or you're procrastinating. You know, you know the 101 things is now 201 things. That then also is then affected by and does affect then that emotional stress. So your, your moods, mood swings, your irritability, your level of optimism and confidence, your, your level of interest in things, your level of motivation to do things. You know, if you're starting to feel a little bit helpless, hopeless, cynical, you know, if you're starting to have those feelings, even yes. into the point of being resentful, and if you hang on to that long enough, that does then go into feelings of depression. Again, if you are experiencing that, then you're experiencing fatigue. You allow that to continue for a prolonged period of time, then you're going to end up in burnout. Yes. How you're talking about burnout does feel a lot like depression as well. I mean, it is, you said the fatigue and burnout are linked. I mean, this does feel quite a lot like depression as well in, in some of this. Yeah, look, when some people say, well, the, you're, you're being, you're stressed, you look stressed. Yeah. Looking stressed and looking burnt out are two different things. I agree, totally and at least. 
And looking stressed, there's a kind of a, there's a kind of, like you, you, you said it before, there's a good stress and a bad stress. I mean, when you're looking stressed, there's, there's, there's a bit of a glory about it. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Things are mental at the moment. And oh, I can't wait to, can't wait for this moment to be over. But burnout, there's no, well, it's a different type of manic, I guess. Well, the thing is that stress is that manic thing. It's, stress is about having too much. Yeah. Whereas the contrast is when you're experiencing burnout, you have not enough. So when, when, if, you're in a, if you're in a stress place, you have too many ideas, too much motivation, too much energy, too much anxiety. There's too many ideas. There's too many things to do. There's you're going a thousand miles an hour yes when you experience burnout there's just not enough of anything you're just flat there's not enough feeling there's just a flatness an emptiness uh low motivation low reason that's good because it feels in a way that it's the same thing isn't it but it's not it's kind of like you know you've got a, f- a full tank of you know, your, your, your car's going at 100 miles an hour, but you wish it could go 120. Or this is actually, your car's just not going. And yeah. <laughs> However, you try and make everything around you slower and the car just seems to get slower with it. Yeah, I I hear that. And I, and, and I recognise it. It's It ain't a good place. Okay. Look, if you're stressed, you might want, you're going to try and speak to too many people. When you're burnt out, you don't want to speak to anybody. There's nobody. There's too many people. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the difference between the two is important. And and so that's where, you know, your early detection of these things by looking at the kind of symptoms gives you that early indicator that there's excessive stress and exhaustion and too many things going on just now. It's excessive. It's beyond my threshold. Yes. And if I keep this as a prolonged way of going, this is where I'm headed. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you need to figure out what your own cheesy puff moment is. I mean, that might be like looking at the scales or how you're feeling or how you're doing or people you're not seeing or people you are seeing or, or things you're doing or ingesting or not ingesting. Okay. So I recognize it. So I, I'm realizing then that I'm getting to this stage. What, what did you say? The difference between it being transient and maybe it's in an accumulative stage. So the cumulative at this stage isn't necessarily bad. It's, you know, I'm the frog in the, in the saucepan. It's going up a bit and I've got to decide, I've got to get out of it. I've got to jump out of this at some stage or I'm going to get into the, into the chronic stages. Yes, but the reason why we stay there and allow it to develop and it's easy to do is we then say, ah, but there's reason. There's reason why the water's feeling warmer. You know, there's reason why I'm doing so much just now. There's reason why I'm doing extra hours. There's reasons why I'm not sleeping. You know, there's all these external things going on. That's probably why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. So that it continues to creep and creep and creep. It's not a, it's a gentle continual push towards somewhere you really don't want to go rather than being catapulted somewhere you know it's that very gradual decline into that area because what you're doing is the cumulative has kicked in but it's now forming another habit yeah it's now just the way it is and if you're in that stage where i can't remember when the last had a great night's sleep 
know, I can't remember when I laughed out loud. You know, I can't remember when I felt great about things. Yes. And that's because you've stayed away from there for so long. You've created this new place of normal, even though it's excessive and now becoming prolonged in terms of stress. So, and this is genuinely what the frog is, is thinking in the saucepan, isn't it? This is all all right. So the danger is then that you regard this as normal. And as it keeps changing, you just keep changing what normal is. So you don't understand you need to get out. Okay. Yeah. First thing, be self-aware enough that no, it is not normal that you are in. It's not a warm bath. This is a saucepan. <laughs> get out. Get out the yeah. warm bath. Okay. Well, it's, it's first of all, and because it's relative to everybody where they draw that line, but if you have that fundamental belief where I could feel better, I could be physically better, and I could be thinking better, yes, then you'll always be looking to take that as an improvement. So whether you're going from an 8 out of 10 to a 9, or whether you're dragging yourself up from a 2 to a 3, you're still heading in the right direction as opposed to continually slipping down into the, well, this is just how it is. Because why it becomes such a trap is when you burn out and then you don't have enough motivation or drive or confidence or optimism, you then become really cynical of this is just how it's meant to be. Yeah. And you stop looking for what a three or four would look like because a one is what you're stuck with. Yeah. So it's important that, if you then look at these three elements and breaking it down into the three elements takes it into more manageable chunks as opposed to the whole thing. If you look at the physical thing, again, if you break that down into areas, you've got you know, your overall health, whatever that is, whatever you remember as being good health, your sleep patterns, creating better sleep patterns rather than going to bed worrying that you're not going to sleep. Yes. And then as soon as you wake up during the night, as most people will do, certainly from a certain age, um, you will you will start to do that. It's not then becoming angry and frustrated that you've woken up and therefore you're not going to allow yourself to go back to sleep. Your level of exercise, whether that's fitness in gyms or walks or whatever your level of exercise to improve to make sure you get that exertion and rest. And possibly most importantly is the diet is feed positive energy yeah. and not feed negative energy. Not eating enough creates fatigue and not eating the right things creates fatigue. And if you do that excessively over a prolonged period of time, you're going to burn out physically. You know, you're going to create sugar spikes. You're going to do a whole lot of things which are going to exhaust you yeah. physically. And there's this weird mix of building up the muscle i mean we're talking physical so that's it but also i guessing that when you do that so you know i run in the mornings i know it kind of distresses me but i know it's making me be fitter but i also know it's part of my traffic like system that when i stop running so the cheese puffs are bad i get that and i try and do that but when i stop running then I know I'm in a really bad, you know, then I've really got to actually probably reach out and get proper help because that's just what I, that's just what I do. This is what I take and everyone else is going to have their own systems. But the great thing about you say about the physical is it builds up your resilience, but it can also be a genuine de-stressor 
of, of some of the other stuff, can't it? I mean, that's what's great about it, I guess. And if you look at the physical, not just in your your own inner environment, but your external environment, yeah. it's it's the house you live in, it's the it's the room that you're operating in, it's the environment in which you're operating. Yeah, that then will have an impact. That physical environment, the clothes that you t- you choose to wear, you know, and and that willingness to continue to dress up and look good. Yeah. When maybe the reasons that you used to dress up and look good aren't the same anymore, but still taking that pride and that physical appearance for some people is a massive difference. This is your way of saying that you want me to wear trousers from now on, huh? <laughs> that, that would be a huge upgrade. <laughs> I mean, and that's a great one because you do when you like watch like things like Queer Eye and 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 Go Cry. I don't know if you know if you watch that sort of stuff, but. The moment they start to deal with it, because that's the physical, isn't it? I mean, they haven't changed anything major. They've just sort of said to them, you're worthy of, of looking after yourself. And basically, that's that's it. I mean, you just see that's what they do. And they say to this person, "Is you're somebody, you're something. That, that's got to change. Yeah, that's got to strengthen that, that leg of the stool, as you, as, you, as you call it. And therefore, it makes them suddenly they say, actually, I am going to look after myself. I'm going to look after my emotional well-being. Yeah. So the physical piece is internal and external. Yes. To make sure that you're understanding these things affect you and create stresses. And if if those stresses are excessive and prolonged, then that's going to have a detrimental impact. So, you know. We sometimes have to work in difficult circumstances or function in difficult circumstances. We're not always in the environment we would choose to be. But as long as we are balancing that out or affecting it the way we can, then it stops affecting us negatively. Um, so the physical piece is really important. And also this, and we just touched on it already, is that uh, how stress manifests itself physically is, this is, oh, I, I mean, I guess this is one reason people love massages and stuff like that then is this is actually a way of de-stressing not just for physically but out of everything isn't it then because so when you say it's prolonged exposure to stress if you don't rid yourself of the stress you're keeping the exposure to the stress so actually you should do stuff like this because then it will okay get rid of the stress okay i i would um I've had issues with my back physically since I was the age of 15. And I used to wait until I couldn't I couldn't walk until I get something done about it. So I would actually burn out before I get something done. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It was built up over a long, long period of time. It was excessive and prolonged stress that I was putting up with. Just thinking, well, I'll just keep going. And the body is quite kind. The first few times anyway before it gives up on you, it will send you enough signals. It will give you enough reminders. And if you respond to them and respect those messages, then you'll avoid that physical burnout. The physical is really important. Okay. All right. The the emotional then becomes your next area that you really want to be looking at for some people. Because breaking it down into the physical, emotional, psychological is important. So you can look at the emotional. And, and that is your, and as we've touched on before, your ability to manage your emotions. This isn't just feeling feeling good feelings and positive emotions. This is managing all the emotions yep. that are going to come. Because we're living in a world where the physical stresses are many 
and inconvenient. Those sorely emotional ones. I agree. You know, and that's that's that that ability to discipline and manage with emotions. So accepting those emotions, but not allowing them to escalate or amplify or layer, um, and being kind, uh, and protecting your self confidence. Not always looking externally for that boost in confidence, although that is good, but it's very temporary. Is building up that self confidence, remembering why you do what you do, and remembering why it's yes. you. You know, feeding yourself positive feelings. If you're going to feel, feed yourself positive energy in your diet and physically, then emotionally feed yourself positive feelings. Gratitude, appreciation, love, care, all of those things. Really, really important to feed that emotional well-being and importantly to try and avoid unnecessary conflicts because they're emotionally draining. I mean, we talked about this in the emotional management and overwhelm and purpose. It comes up a lot, but I think there's so much to cover on this. But in when you talk about like the too much, I think one of the things you understand is that, as you say, these emotional stresses, all these stresses are going to be there. And you can't remove yourself from most of this, unfortunately, or it's just what it is. It's not a fortunate it is. It just is. And I think this is what you talked about before so so well is it's therefore how you deal with it. So don't try to make these things disappear. Don't try to ignore them because ignoring them just makes them manifest themselves somewhere else indifferently. And then this is, you know, have a bigger purpose, have that bigger barrel that we talked about so the emotion can sit in there. And then you stop with the too much, isn't it? You know, is I can deal with all of this and the tools that you said to have being good to yourself, kind to yourself, bigger purpose, and you know, just not letting stuff layer up. And when we talk about this and I'm, you know, doing these meditation apps and all of this, so many of these messages are coming through though, isn't it? Is accept and understand how you're feeling and then say, it's okay. Treat yourself with kindness and compassion and the journaling and gratitude, which we should talk about one day as well, because I know this is a big, big topic for you. Yes. Okay. So, and if, and if you think in today's world, Warren, in particular, and there's a lot of stuff going on about millennials and how they're negatively yeah. impacted by social media and photoshopping and and all that kind of pressure that they feel that they get. Yeah. This affects people of all ages. This isn't just you know, um, you get to certain age and it doesn't matter anymore. You're, you're emotionally uh, bombarded with so many things nowadays and um, that there is an awful lot of emotional stresses. Now, you will have your line of what is too much and that can sometimes vary. It can sometimes move. If I'm looking at my social media feed on Facebook or Instagram or or whatever and, I, and I'm in a good place emotionally, I can look at what everybody else is doing and I think, I'm so pleased how how well everybody else is doing and it's a lovely <laughs> meal that they're having at breakfast. And I look forward to seeing what they're having for lunch yeah. and the holiday destinations that they're on and everything else. And I, and, I, and I love them and think, that's fantastic. I'm so pleased for them. Great to, and I pick up all that happiness. Other times, however, that line of too much has dropped a little because I've had excessive and prolonged emotional stress. To then, you know, open up that face, but I tap on that Facebook app 
and I look at how everybody else is having fun and I'm not having any. Yeah, exactly. What's up with me? Yeah, why Why not me? That's unfair. Yeah, you're dead on right. And then it spirals down to that inadequacy, failure, not good enough, resentment, yeah. all those kind of things. You know, and, and we're bombarded with a whole lot of people who are telling us how we should feel. Yeah. Well, how we feel is how we should feel. It's what we then do about it. And understanding that emotional stress and that line, and it can move, is then saying, well, what do we do about it? And that is the managing your emotion, finding that kindness, finding that gratitude, that self-confidence, remembering why you and what you do, and avoiding yes. those unnecessary conflicts. Even if it is avoiding some of those people who you will know that their role in your life is to create that conflict, maybe a little bit of break from that helps in terms of your emotional stress. We've all got that person, yeah. And at times they're of great value, and other times less so. Without the rain, we wouldn't appreciate the sun. There we go, whoever the rain is. So this is good. All right, so one way of managing the, the too much emotion is basically, you know, get a bigger barrel, treat yourself better. But there's a load of good stuff on this, which is, and it's genuine. Again, it feels like a sea change in how people appreciate this, that this is an important thing that we need to do to, to help with stress. I mean, the, the, the growth of these mindfulness apps and yoga and all of this type thing. It does feel a reflection that we are in a world where everyone understands that this is an issue. So this is good. Okay. Psychological then. Is that the... Yeah, the psychological is the third element to that. And So I've got my physical sorted. You know, I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm, I'm eating my quinoa and my superfoods and, uh, you know, whatever whatever the superfood is of the day. Is it beetroot and, and pumpkin seeds? I'm zen. I'm going around, I'm, a, I'm a, like a, a, a yogi, I'm at peace with myself, I've got the beard, I've got the dreadlocks, I've got the, the weird moustache with the twirly bits at the end, I've got the beads, but I'm still not de-stressed. What bit am I missing? <laughs> well, you've got the, apart from you, I'm, I'm now feeling quite emotionally distressed at the moment, but um, <laughs> if we then go into the, the third element, the psychological, so we're not looking at fatigue and burnout as being one thing all bundled together. By separating it out into these three things is really important. And the other bits, this is the psychological. Um, and, and that, again, we're under an awful lot of psychological pressure of a lot of people now telling us how we should be thinking. And, you know, what we should think of something and trying to influence what we think about things. And if we don't get our minds straight, then the responses become very different. And again, if we allow ourselves to go into those psychological places, which is, you know, our moods and withdrawal and, and irritability and cynicism and hopelessness, all those kind of things. Um, so what do you mean then by our mind being straight then in this then because it's it's having more of a plan and order in our thinking we've talked about overwhelm before overwhelm isn't the amount of things on the list yeah um it's the fact that they're not in an order it's not knowing the first thing uh, and therefore everything feels overwhelming so it's having that plan and order psychologically you know it's feeding your mind with the positive thoughts yes i can yes i will yes yes i'm here Yes, there's a reason. Having that connection to a bigger picture is what really, really counts psychologically uh, because that gives you a, 
a, enough scope in which to deal with all the thoughts that may come. But what you're focused on is a solution rather than so engrossed in the problem. And there are many, many problems to solve today. And there's many more coming down the track. Being an expert in the problem isn't going to change a thing. It's probably going to affect you more emotionally and physically in a negative way. But looking for a solution, what would make it better? What would make it dif- what would make it different? Asking those better quality questions yeah. is what will affect your thinking, which then creates the mindset to produce a different result. If your question is all about the problem, you become an expert in the problem, and the result is you will really understand why it's all going wrong. But if you ask a solution-focused question, your thinking goes into what would make it better, and the result is you will improve things, which will make you feel better. This makes sense, and you say we touched on this before. But how would I recognise then if psychologically I'm under stress? Well, again, there's levels of what's too much. So your level, your your line might be higher or lower than someone else's. But if you're looking at in terms of um, your concentration levels, now if you're someone normally with high concentration levels and you're struggling, then you know that's an indication. That's, That's a stress that I'm creating, that if it's excessive and prolonged, that's going to affect me psychologically. However, if you're someone who has always found it quite difficult to concentrate, then your your line might be quite quite higher before it becomes a concern. Okay. You know, so in terms of your concentration, your attention span, your attention to detail, um, how quickly you can join dots and react, how quickly you get the picture that's been painted in front of you, how well you can follow the conversation, and importantly, your memory function, how clearly you remember things, and not just how clearly you remember them, but when they happened. It's one of the things that I've found quite difficult over the past period of time, um, where I've found that the days have dragged, but the months have flown. So when you lose that perspective on time, then that's a real strong indicator that psychologically you're you're under excessive stress and therefore don't prolong it. If I can't, I could normally tell you which week of which month something happened. Currently, there's some things. It happened somewhere between April and July, and I'm not too sure exactly when. And normally I could tell you what the weather was like and everything. I, I, I sort of know what happened. It's there, but I don't know the detail. And that is because I've been under a lot of psychological stress. Yes, get you. So that that psychological piece, your your approach to things. If you feel, if you hear yourself just moaning, and complaining, and criticizing, and immediately looking for the bad, then psychologically you're in a place that is under excessive stress because it's going that way. You know, um, you hear about something positive with someone, you're looking for the catch. You know, uh, you're just being that little bit cynical. Uh, and if that's not your, if you're normally a cynic, then hey, you're probably fine. But if you can hear yourself saying, I sound like that person, and that's not me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not me. What is that that defines you? Yeah. Okay. 
And all this is important because these three things, individually and combined, affect really important things. So if you're not able to pick up on these individually, if you start to feel that your social life is not what it used to be or not what you want it to be, then you're probably in one of these areas malfunctioning to a degree. If your relationships are not necessarily where they should be or where you want them to be, if your motivation, if your focus, if you're suffering from colds and flus and stresses and strains and, and moods, I mean, you can even hear and observe yourself and you don't really like yourself or you're not a big fan at the moment or you know you are really struggling. And struggling is different from going through tough times. Struggling is that whether it's tough or not, I'm, I'm just not able to keep up. Yes. These are the things that are the overall indicators that there's something here that could be improved. This is an opportunity, not a problem. That early detection allows you the opportunity to transform that. And little things can make a big difference. Yeah, I think that's the key one, isn't it? Is that you will go through these stages, but don't let a cumulative return into a chronic state isn't it? That's, it feels that this is coming out. And these three things you talk about the balance and there's always the connections. We talk about the, the, there's everything is always connected. But in the past, I know you sort of said these are the three legs of the stool, aren't they? And that by getting one right, you'll automatically start improving the other two. Is that the right way to think? Well, yeah, the, the, the concept of the three legs of the stool, there's a four-legged version, but that fourth leg is spiritual and I don't tend to go there unless people are okay with that. So the three legs of the stool, there's, if you can imagine, your life is, is sitting on a stool in which there's three legs. And if those three legs are really solid and tight, you can sit on that stool and feel secure, confident. No matter what's thrown at you, you feel you've got a really solid base. But if some of those legs start to unravel and loosen, yes. and you lose confidence in that, then you start to wobble, then you feel a bit vulnerable and at risk, and you could fall over so each of those legs one is your physical leg one is your emotional leg and one is your psychological leg and you will you will know which one of those legs is the one that you can tighten the quickest and you will know the one that is always most likely to unravel <laughs> and then there'll be the one in the middle and typically what we do in my experience, the vast majority of people do this, is the first leg they go to is the one that always unravels. And they therefore spend most of their time on the weakest leg. And the most effective way of doing this is going to the one that you're strongest, the one you can tighten the quickest. Because once you've tightened that first one, you can then get to the second one kind of quick. And once you've got two of these legs tightened, you have the time to work on that third leg, which is always going to be your weaker one. So this is why I said about the running. I know that if I'm not running and lifting, I just know that this is the easiest one. So if I'm not doing the easiest one, uh-oh, the stool, <laughs> the stool is getting even more wonky. And then it gets easier to do like normal meditation and journaling and gratitude practice. That one seems to 
if I'm doing that right, like I've got my list of habits I have to tick off every day. If I'm doing the exercise, that one usually will follow pretty quickly. But if I'm not doing the exercise, that one will not be done either. And Tracy and I have been together for, for more than 25 years and we are opposites on this. So again, it's about that overwhelm thing. It's not the fact that there's three legs, it's the fact of knowing there's an order. Once you know there's an yes. order, it's no longer overwhelming. Otherwise, it can all feel, again, overwhelming. My best order is psychological, emotional, then physical for me because I'm more of a thinker. I know if I can get my thinking straight, I will feel an awful lot more confident and in control, and then physically I'll do the right things. Yes. But I need to come at it from my strength. Tracy's the other way around. Tracy is physical first. So if she's doing something, if she's active, if she's engaged, if she's involved in something, emotionally then she feels an awful lot more confident and in control, and that then straightens her thinking. Exactly. I agree. I'm with Tracy on this. But as I said, that's my early warning system as well. I know that once that stool, if I let that leg of the stool go, then it's like, uh-oh, we are now in trouble. Well, see, the, the thing with this is because Tracy would come from a physical point of view, she would say to me, you should go to the gym and run it off. Now, if I haven't got yeah. my thinking straight, actually going to the gym, I'm at that, I'm in the gym just creating more stress going, I still haven't got my head around this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. because Tracy runs to think, that works for her. Where for me, I have to, once I've got my thinking straight, I then know if I'm at the gym, it's because I've got everything else in place. So it's understanding your order. And if you're a, a psychological first person, it's because if you have an issue, you will feel better once you've thought it through. If you're more physical, you're first, it's because doing something makes you feel better. And so understanding that within yourself, again, plays to your strengths and also does not, when you when you play to your weaknesses, you're creating stress because you're going to the area that you know is not the strongest. So you're creating a stress there. So you go to where you're strong. That's good. So that's how you're doing this. So it's recognizing that you've got an issue, dealing with it before it becomes chronic, and then now I've got an issue is choose your order. Choose your order carefully, and then that will set you off in the right direction. So when I know that I'm not sleeping well, I'm not eating the right stuff, I'm making emotional decisions on things, I'm not getting to do, I'm procrastinating and not being active enough, I know that's a symptom. The cause is that I haven't got my thinking straight. Yes. Whereas when Tracy's thinking isn't straight, she knows it's because she's not doing the physical stuff that she needs to do. She's she's not doing the she's not eating the right things. Um, she's not happy with what she's wearing and physically exercising and all that. She knows if she then tightens that up, that's going to straighten her thinking because her emotions will work in the middle. So it's that order really important. On this, there's there's a kind of three steps. There's a recognize. So recognise where you're feeling at these in, the, in these areas. There's then about reverse or disrupt, but reverse it. Turn that. Obviously, when you recognise, wait a minute, I'm being a little bit irritable or I'm doing some of the wrong things or I'm thinking these things, you're looking to reverse that because you're headed towards a burnout situation. So you're wanting to reverse that. So you want to break that pattern, disrupt it and reverse back out. 
And the third element is that resilience. So recognize, reverse, resilience. And resilience is having an understanding of how do you become more resilient physically, emotionally, psychologically, so that you don't then fall back into that pattern having just got yourself out mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, you just as you said, you raise the bar of well, how far is too much. A professional athlete who's running a couple of hundred K a week, he's going to laugh if I say you must be joking anything over 100 kilometers and I would and I would pass out. Yeah. Okay. And we talked about resilience in the past. And I think if we run through that now, we're going to go way over time. Oh, yeah. But look, for a sort of five key things, not yeah. for anybody who's looking at this, first of all, and this is important, turn to other people, particularly the people who know you well. Tell other people. T- turn to other people. Oh, okay. Turn to other Engage people. Engage with other people because you may not be able to see it but you'll certainly see it in others. And therefore, they won't be able to see it in you more clearly than someone else. Yeah. And these are people who, who care, yeah. who know you, who care about you. It's not just some bloke on the street, you know, or some not a bloke on the street. You know, it's not somebody who, these are people who've got your best intentions yes. in heart. Turn to other people. Don't turn to social media. Turn to other people, people who know you, people where it's a two-way thing. You know, that part of resilience, one of the things is on social support, you know, and it's not just having the right people round about you, it's turning to them, it's engaging them in it. Because they will want to help and they will recognise things in you that say, that's not quite you, that's all you need to know. And the second thing is reframe and make sure you're reframing things in a more positive So, you know, the key thing of all these three is having a a better end in mind, having some goals. That's why coaching and self-coaching in particular is so important. If you have a physical goal, an emotional goal and a psychological goal, you're headed in the right direction. Yes. And it helps with the whole emotional management and and, uh, et cetera. Third thing, reprioritize. If you're finding yourself slipping down that scale, you've possibly got things in the wrong order. So reprioritize because things might have shifted. And if you've neglected something for long enough, it's now a, it's now a priority. Okay. And the last two bits, which are key in all this, is the exercise and the diet piece. And I don't really want to go on to people about exercise and diet because it's a very individual thing. But they're an element and they don't go away. They have such an impact psychologically, emotionally and physically um, that it's something so easy to control, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. It's also so easy for it to unravel. Um, so they're not things you can ignore. And it doesn't need to be what social media is telling you is the right thing to be eating and the right exercise. It's for you finding what works for you. <laughs> that's great. As you say, I mean, because we're in strange times, and this is one of the reasons we said we talk about it, but this isn't just about today or, or, or tomorrow. I mean, there's always going to be situations where you said you're going to either have this transient fatigue, you know, but then the danger is, is that step where accumulative will happen from time to time, but you just, you know, you you understand and get out of the saucepan before it gets too warm and this turns into something more chronic. This is good. Okay. We'll leave it there. It's good. Over and out on burnout. 
So, that's burnout. It's a serious topic. One I know that's affected so many people. Yeah, listening to it, it's clear that prevention is is so much better than trying to cure it once you've got it. It's incredibly widespread. And it seems to be one of those issues we all seem to keep quiet about at work anyway. Years and years ago, I was working at an ad agency and I was diagnosed with burnout. You know, it's full of shame at the time. And my therapist explained to me that about 10% of the workforce was in a program for burnout, which was incredible. It just wasn't discussed openly. It wasn't one of those things that you would share with each other. I do think that so many things have changed in the workplace recently and things like mental health are discussed much more openly, which has got to be a good thing. Especially, I mean, one of the things that Stephen says is that it's easier to see the signs in other people than it is in yourself sometimes. So if we could talk about it more, maybe we could pre-warn each other or help each other to prevent this. You know, let everyone know that you're in the saucepan at the moment and it's getting hotter and better be time to jump out. And also, I guess that in some industries, in some cultures, it feels that some people, and I know maybe I've been guilty of this as well, but they wear the I'm busy or I'm overworked badge with a measure of pride. So maybe the working from home culture that's coming out is going to, yeah, is going to mean that that's not going to be so important, that people are going to look more at people's output and not how busy they seem to appear to be all the time. Anyway. My three-legged stool still has three legs. It's a little wonky sometimes, but I'm working on it. I'm doing the basics, trying to sleep well. I'm exercising. I'm eating okay. Still the odd cheesy puff is making its way through. It could be better, but I see some progress, and that's about all I can wish for. But I'm working hard to make sure I'm in good shape a resilient shape to handle whatever is thrown at me in the next week. I hope you are too. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.